So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to Love After Lockup, Ha Ha and K. I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be discussing Season 4, Episode 6 of Love After Lockup. This week, Deontay finds out that Nicole has been with other people in prison. Lisa meets with Stan to hear him out. Doug wants to surprise his family with a visit. Brittany prepares for Ray's release from the halfway house. And Anessa does a shady drop-off at a picnic table for Jeff. If you like what you hear, please support us and give us a rating or send us constructive feedback. And if you watch 90 Day Fiance, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things going for you? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I just had a Bloody Mary. <laughs> <laughs> so, so very well. <laughs> Very well. It's vacation time, so we apologize that we are a day late. Uh, Mr. O is at a beach somewhere. Yes, I am at a beach. Um, it's it. My beach, at least, is in the is in the country. Your beach is not. Yes. So I am in the Dominican right now, which means Bloody Marys for breakfast. Yeah. I'm in Delaware with all my with all my nieces and nephews, so that does not mean Bloody Marys for breakfast, but it means beers after everybody goes to bed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, let's get started with someone else who I can envision having a Bloody Mary for breakfast, and that's uh, Stan. Stan and mm-hmm. Lisa. So Lisa, she's over the whole wig thing, and she's over Stan. Lisa has her kid on her mind because things are not okay in her world. Stan last week called her a shit mom, and Lisa admits that she has been, but this is the first step in trying to be better. Stan's friend Dash stops by to check in on him and notes that Stan is still wearing his pajamas, so he thinks that things went well. Instead, Stan admits that he called Lisa shit mom and recognizes that that was probably a dumb move. Lisa goes to see her friend Haley, who she met from prison, to get her hair fixed and talk about her situation. In the middle of her hair being done, Stan calls her to apologize and asks for a redo. Lisa tells him to text the details and she'll think about it. Stan gets ready to meet with Lisa and after waiting for 30 minutes at the restaurant, he attempts to get a hold of her. Finally, after an hour, Lisa walks in with long, curly, blonde extensions and heels. Lisa is still pissed at Stan, but she wants to hear him out. Lisa wants to know what he's going to do to change. Stan says he will never get two hours of sleep, drive 500 miles, then drink a lot of wine. Lisa says she'll give him another chance, but on her terms. Lisa tells Stan that she stayed at a motel last night and he's going to reimburse her for that. Stan thinks that they should talk more about their issues, but he thinks that they should do this in a more quiet, intimate place while holding each other so He suggests that they get out of there and go back to his place. All right. So Mm -hmm. Stan, you know, he says, let's hash out like, you know, what's been going on. But then he kind of makes it sound like a sexy situation. Do you think Stan has any intention of really hashing out their drama or is he just trying to skip the part where skip to the part where they just have makeup sex? No, he wants the he's getting to the working overtime part immediately. Like that's that's (laughs) pretty much what he's doing is. I mean, it seemed like he was doing that last time. It was like, what's the quickest way to naked? Like, that's his yeah. MO the whole time. Like, Right, right. But that's the same thing he did last time. He's just like, 
He's it's very similar to we've seen other couples like this. Really, actually, we've seen more of them on 90 Day Fiance. The ones who are just like, mm-hmm. we just need to work on things. We just need to talk. You just need to figure things out. And it's like, okay, but like we need something more actionable than that. He's just like, I propose that we work things out. Okay. Uh, and how are we going to do that exactly? Right. And I think the other issue with him saying that is he really – I don't think he thinks there's really anything to work out because he's already given his excuse, right, yes. of why things went down the way they went down. And none of it has to do with I'm an idiot, you know, like maybe I wasn't as sensitive as I should be. It was all circumstantial. Mm-hmm. I had two hours of sleep. I had to make a long drive to pick you up. I then decided to drink wine. This was these were all the influencing factors, but it wasn't me being a selfish asshole and really just trying to get you in bed like and just trying to make this conversation. end. like yeah, he didn't I say mean- any of that. Yeah, and it was it was, but it was also not even only almost not exactly almost kind of get throwing it back on her, right? Because he was like, "Why did he yeah. only get two hours of sleep? Because he was so excited to see her, right? <sighs> Why did he drive five hours? Because he was getting her, right? And it's it's just all that, but it just it seems, and I, I, I assume it is pretty obvious to Lisa as well. She's not as oblivious as some other people in this episode that mm-hmm. all he's trying to do is get her into bed. Like he just wants her in bed as quickly as possible. That is his primary concern right now. And it's almost like I kind of wonder what's going to happen once that is resolved for him. Like where are we going to be at then? Yeah. It also bothers me when people do that, right? Um, They blame something else for their behavior. Right. And I don't know. It's just like at what point do you just say like, no, you're just a shit person. Like you would do this no matter what the situation is. And it has nothing to do with, you know, these circumstances. Because the way I see it is, you know, yeah, I'm not saying that he wasn't under special, stressful circumstances. But guess what? Stressful sure. circumstances happen all the time. So are you going to mm-hmm. behave the exact same way every single time mm-hmm. something is a little stressful or right. something's a little like not ideal? Right. And it's also like, okay, so. What's the difference between the stressful situation and now? Like, did you only believe I'm a shit mom now? Only only believe I'm a shit mom when you've, when you've been drinking and you had little sleep? Or do you always believe that and you're just smart enough to not say it when you haven't had a lot, when yes. it's not that situation? Yeah. Right? Because that's not better I definitely for feel her. like it comes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they say that a lot, too, about, like, people who say things when they're drunk. It's like, well, maybe that is their truth. And, you know, there's... That's what they really think. Right. There's definitely two kind of things of that. Do, do they say what they really think or do they have a thought and blurt it out before like in real life when they weren't drunk, they would think of that thought and they'd be like, actually, let me think about that for a second. No, I don't really believe that, you know, and then not to say yeah. it, you know, because everybody has yeah. those thoughts that come through their head that they they kind of reevaluate before they not reevaluate as to will this actually hurt other people but reevaluate it as to wait a second is that really what i think and so i don't know which but we don't know which one it is because that's all is part of the hash it out part right that's what's supposed to go yeah. into the hashing it out um and not sure. the part where it's just like let's hash it out by going somewhere a little more intimate and it's like that's not the same thing <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i feel like i've been in those kinds of situations before where mm-hmm. it's like 
you know, they just say, you know, like, oh, well, let's talk about this more. And you're like, yes. And it's like the other person who's looking for those kinds of answers. They really want to have that conversation, right? They really want to know more. But then it becomes this weird way to like, you know, be intimate or something, you know, it's just like, no, that's not what I was looking for at all. I want answers. And then it's like, yes, I kind of can see Lisa being like this, you know, like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need I need more groveling. I need more of an apology. I need to see like what actionable things you're really going to do in the future to make things different. Like I do want to talk about this more. And then here's Stan like breaking out his straight jacket, hanging from the rafters, you know, and it's just right. like, no, I wanted answers, not this. Right. It's very much like, well, let's talk about this more. And it's very I can see Lisa perspective. And she didn't really say this. It's like, OK, how about. Now, like literally right now, like why, what's stopping yeah. us from actually talking about this this very second instead of just kind of acknowledging, yes, this is something we need to work out, but I have other things I want to do first. Right, right. No, that's that's really true. Actually, it's kind of funny. I was actually just talking with one of my girlfriends about a, like this kind of situation where it's like, you know, a, a guy will like ghost you or something and then they'll come mm-hmm. back into your life. And then they'll, you're going to be like, I want answers. Where the hell did you go? Oh, I'll tell you, you know? And it's just like as an excuse to like meet up with you. And then they never sure. freaking tell you. It's just like, <laughs> what is that? And it's weird oh. to me. Like, I thought it was weird when it happened to me. In fact, it happened to me last year. And so I was talking to my girlfriend about it. And she was like, oh, yeah, that happened to me too. It's like, what is it? It's like they try to trick you into like an intimate moment, you know, because they're just like, yeah, well, I really want to tell you what's going on, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. like they turn into something else. It's like, I feel like that's what Stan's doing here. Oh, definitely. De- I mean, that's, a, that's that's his MO. We're going to, okay, what's going to get me closer to her sleeping with me right now? And that that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Too. And that, that's kind of that same thing. Well, what's going to get them to actually meet up with me? And what's going to get them to meet up with me and then maybe go back to somebody's house? And then once we're at somebody's house, we can work on that. You know, it's like almost dangling right. that conversation as the carrot to move you where they want you. Yes, exactly. And they have no intention of really telling you the truth of what right. went on, why they ghosted you. It's just right. stupid. Right, right, Yeah. All right. So other people leading people on. Well, I have two that I kind of feel like that. But we're going to hit the shorter one first. That's <laughs> Anessa and Jeff. So it's been about a week since Jeff's been to the halfway house. And he has apparently a three-hour pass to go to – there. he's allowed to go to one place. So the plan is to go to the store – not really what store because he needs some things. And maybe, you know, there's a changing room in there so they can have some uh, private time there. But um, once Anissa gets there, she calls – he calls and tells her that he can't make it because they don't have enough time to put the ankle monitor on him. And he has to have the ankle monitor on before he leaves. And uh, it is not letting him go today. So – um, instead, he says, mm, you, could, it, could I have $100 instead? And also that I can't actually meet you to get the $100. I need you to leave it under a picnic table so I can come out and get it later. So um, – but anyway, uh, so he already spent the $100 that he gave her I guess three weeks ago because stuff's expensive in the halfway house. So anyway, she gets sad about it but you know, still drops the bag for him. <laughs> And then takes her solo ride home, complaining about how, you know, today was supposed to be her sex day. First time in six <laughs> years it was going to happen and now it's not going to happen. All right. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. It was pretty short. Do you buy Jeff's explanation here? No, I absolutely do not. Like, 
your like whatever shady ass like drug deal drop off situation. That's what that feels like. <laughs> Very much so. You know? Yeah, and it just seems that that could be easily like verified if Vanessa just called like the halfway house and asked sure. what the rules were for like bringing stuff in. And mm-hmm. maybe it's a situation where Jeff isn't allowed to receive anything from the outside. Right. You know, especially something like cash. Right. Cause to me, and they, and we've seen this with other like um, inmates or former convicts that were released to halfway houses. They don't mm-hmm. want people to have random cash because they think that that's how the drug deals go down. Sure. Right. So they don't want Jeff to have a random hundred dollars of cash. So I think it's one of those things where if they had gone through the appropriate channels, who knows if he would have even been able to have that cash. They probably would have been like, but, no, you can't give yes and no, I guess, like that. Because didn't she – but she when she went to the halfway house to drop it off, mm-hmm. she literally like went to one of the you know employees or guards, whatever you want to call them, and was like, yeah. I have this bag here uh, of stuff for Jeff so-and-so that I'm supposed to leave under a picnic table. And he was like, go right ahead. <laughs> you know, it's like I feel like I then know. it just seems like it's such a weird – Way to do it instead of just like giving it to the guard and having him give it to Jeff. But was like, it the guard or was it just some rando that happened to be like taking a smoke break out the front of the house? Mm. Oh, okay. But I thought she couldn't get on the property without talking to a guard. Like there was somebody actually watching like the gate or the fence or something that they were behind. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it was just somebody that – because I get that they don't want him to have random cash. Because not only yeah. do they have all the drug deals and stuff, people are going to get robbed. Right, and then there are going to yeah. be fights over people yeah. getting robbed. Who took my money and stuff like that? That's that's what that's what's going to happen. But it just it seems like I don't know, and it, I guess it doesn't seem that far fetched about the ankle monitor thing because we see situations like that all the time. Like when they get yeah. released and stuff, they're like, "We knew it was your day to get released, and we had it scheduled, but um, yeah, we forgot to do something, so you're going to have to wait for four hours." Like that happens all the time, yeah. right? And so I could. Definitely could see them being like, oh, we can't put your ankle monitor on now and have be like, then why did you tell me I could leave? But yeah. it also seems like that's something he might have known before she was literally pulling up outside. Right. Yeah, I definitely think that just the whole I'm not saying his uh, what actually happened with Shady. Mm-hmm. It's just the execution, right? The idea right. isn't Shady. It's the execution. Like like the picnic table. Like what the why can't you just hand it to a Whoever's in charge there. Yes. You should be able to bring it to the front door. Wait, I like deliver. Do it above board, right? Because then she's going to be – her immediate thing would have been like, why am I doing this? This seems like you're trying to break some sort of rule or something and get around something. And it just just seems shady, right? Because I I fully believe that he knew about the ankle monitor thing a long time ago and wanted to tell her when she got there because then she could drop off $100, Right. Sure. And if she if yeah. he called her before she left, she wouldn't have been like, I'm not driving there to drop off a hundred dollars for you. That's not like I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that too. Um so Anessa had some very specific like thoughts about you know, having sex in the fitting room of whatever uh-huh. store they were gonna go to. So, oh, oh yeah. Oh my god, Anessa. She had like some detailed thoughts yes. about that. It was it's but like, it's also yeah, I've been like thinking about y- this a lot. Yeah, she, I think she's been thinking about that for like six years. Like she, had, <laughs> I think, I think she might Your have. Your first uh, time sleeping with someone, like you fantasize that in a fitting room. I just you fantasize what you can get, I guess. But yes, that seems like. Oh man, if I was making a list of like 
the most awkward, worst first times I could have with somebody, especially after so long. Like you've been waiting for so long. Let's just wait a little bit longer until you can like have a bed. <laughs> or some space. It's or like to space. me, it's like the same as, you know, like an, uh, a bathroom, a plain bathroom. Oh, yeah. It's not. Oh, I, that one I can't even. Well, the other thing, too, is it's also you also have to do it in a place which I get can be, I guess, hot for some people sometimes. But like you have to do it in a place where you have to be quiet. Like we have to, sh- yeah. we have to be as quiet as we can right now. And it's like that doesn't well, sound like Well, and the reality is, too, that there's uh, cameras in a lot of dressing rooms because they don't want people to steal stuff. There's cameras out. Yeah, but, well, there's usually cameras on the doors, right? So they can see what you came in with, see what you came out with. They get in trouble and there's cameras actually in the fitting rooms and people are getting naked. Yeah. I think as long as they notify you, right? Uh, yeah, but I mean, bathrooms too. Like there tends to be anytime you go to a bathroom, there's usually not cameras in the bathroom, but there's cameras mm-hmm. at the door, right? And so they'll be able to tell. They'll, they'll def- they would definitely be able to tell when two adult people went into that fitting room together and just came out later like all disheveled and stuff i'd be like uh gross but yeah i mean ugh. i mean it's 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 tough because i mean i guess i mean you know just not to judge too much but like dude jeff i don't know if inside of the fitting room outside of the fitting room i don't know if you're getting that big of a difference in experiences there i think you're yeah. just getting what jeff yeah. gets you <laughs> all right uh speaking of halfway houses let's talk Brittany and ray so Ray gets to come home after being in the halfway house for two months. He's paroling to Brittany's home and has to stay there because he has an ankle monitor. Brittany has had a lot of video chat sex with Ray, but she hasn't had sex for over a year. Ray asks Brittany if he gets to meet her parents, and Brittany makes excuses why he can't meet them, when in reality, Brittany's mom is refusing to meet Ray. Brittany is getting her makeup done by her sister in preparation for Ray's homecoming. Natalie, her sister, is the only one who knows about Ray paroling to Brittany's home. Brittany is waiting for Ray at the halfway house, and she's excited that this time the meeting will be different because she's there to pick him up by herself. Until she sees Sue, Ray's grandma, rolling on up. Uh, Ray did not tell her that uh, Sue would be there, so this is a surprise to Brittany, so she goes over to see what's up. All right, so Ray told Brittany that it would only be her. Do you think mm-hmm. that Ray invited Sue to this uh, release, I don't know, celebration? Yeah, I do. I, I, I don't – I mean he he at least told her when he was getting out and going to be there and kind of – you'd think he'd know her well enough to know that if I tell her about this thing, she's going to show up. Right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's certain people where it's like, if I tell you about this, you're going to treat it like an invitation, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he would know that about them. So in, as far as I'm concerned, if that's a person you know well enough to know they're going to do that and you tell them about it, then it is an invitation. Yeah. Yeah. I just – I mean, I don't know. The Brittany is just – like we, we keep saying like – and it, the more and more we see her, it's just stronger and stronger Chevelle vibes, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And this is – this is just like – like she even says like some gross things like who wouldn't want their man to be locked in a house with them waiting for them? Who wouldn't want that? And I was like, oh, a lot of people? <laughs> I know. I mean, COVID. I mean, if that tells you anything, people yeah. are not about that life. <laughs> right. And it's They're like, trying to get out of that life now. Right. It's, it's uh, Yeah. They're trying to get out of that life. And it's just because she's going to be going – like that just sounds – Terrible. And I've known very few relationships actually where 
one person stays at home all day doing more or less nothing while you go yeah. out and work and they're doing it they're working hard all day and doing stuff and you come back down back and they're just like what'd you do all day and they're like slept i don't know i played a little video games that's just it, it it becomes very frustrating very quickly yeah but i think that might be a slightly different situation because i'm going to assume that the people you know uh they're staying home because it's somewhat of a choice yeah. um not because they're forced to, to sit to stay home because uh you know the friends that i have that have had that been in that situation it's like their partner stays at home doesn't work just because they're choosing not to work or choosing not to look for employment. And then the partner who is off working, they're getting resentful because they're like, why am I working my ass off just so you can hang around and do nothing all day? So I, I think this is a different situation, but it is very reminiscent of like, uh, you know, your 90 day fiance situation where, mm-hmm. you know, your partner is not allowed to work. And, you know, but it does. One person being at home, it's like, you know, the person who's working is going to come home and they just want some time to relax. They want some stress free. Right. I don't know. Enjoyable personal time. And the person who's been at home, you know, especially if that that person is anxious, they're stewing in whatever drama that's going on in their head and they just bring it like when the person gets in the door, you know. And so it's like you don't want to deal with that when you come home. You don't. And I guess it's like, it's one of those things that intellectually you know that he – oh, yeah, he can't leave. We know this is a situation. We know it's OK. But like it just, it's just hard to be like, um, you know, come back and you just have different things you're complaining about and different things you're worried about. And you're, this person's like, oh, I don't know. I was kind of bored all day. And you're like, what? I wouldn't give to be bored. And it's just, it's just living those completely separate days can really like, you know, take its toll and grind on a marriage. But I don't know if you're the kind of person who – Seems like Brittany is just constantly worried about this person, you know, whatever they're going to do. The fact that they're – that you know they can't leave the house is like, um, you know, puts you at ease, which is, you know, a red flag in itself, I think. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to my last group, longer one. That's Deontay and Nicole, speaking of people who are not at ease. All right, so we, we pick up where we left off. Deontay comes back to the hair salon with dresses for Nicole as she's putting the finishing touches on getting her evening planned. She puts one of the dresses that Deontay bought her on and catches Deontay staring at her boobs before they go to the bar to hang out with his friend Derek and her friend Audrey. She's ready for, you know, to get the third degree from Derek and they just get right to it. But, you know, Quickly, as they're kind of arguing with each other over what she's all about and what she believes, they kind of catch Nicole, like, looking at the door and scanning the door like she's waiting for somebody to come in. They ask who she's looking for, and she says, it's my friend Tia, of course. You know about her. Everything I haven't been telling you. So Derek sniffs this right out and asks if Nicole has slept with Tia. And she doesn't answer, but it's obvious to everyone what the answer is when she doesn't answer. And it's yes. Well... I mean, at first it is. Then she definitely says she has and goes into details, very specific details nobody asked for very quickly. Anyway, of course, this whole thing, you know, is says that she knows that everybody – that she's lying about her claim that she didn't get touched at all for the entire four years she was in prison. So Derek keeps pushing. Well, how many women were you with in, in prison? And she takes a long time <laughs> to count to six. <laughs> Well, you know, four relationships and like two other things. Anyway, six. Anyway, at this point, the whole night just goes gets gets kind of upended because 
and and Derek and and Dante and her leave the restaurant so they can he can confront her about calling Tia. Dante says it's not okay to be talking to an ex, and he doesn't care if it's a man or a woman. But like, why are you in touch with this ex secretly while I'm here? Anyway, she asks, and he also gets to why she's uncomfortable with him physically, because you know she's clearly comfortable spending his money. Anyway, so now that the prospect of the money drying up is on the table, she agrees to go back to his place for the night, which puts, you know, kind of ends the argument and lets Deontay be cool with this whole agreement. So we kind of go back into the bar and then dip out and then go back to his place and start making out a little bit. Anyway, he tries to push things along a little bit faster than she wants, which seems to be at all. Anyway, he offers to let her sit on his face. And oh then God. She's like, <laughs> and then she's like, how about instead of that, we just sleep in different rooms? Um, she yes. says to an interviewer that he's attractive enough because he has tiny muscles and teeth. But tonight he's going to be with Nicole Jr. Anyway, meanwhile, in the guest room, Nicole's yeah. down to her bra and thong when she gets a call from her ex, Zach. Zach with two Ks, by the way, who she yeah. hides and she hides behind the bed to talk to. So anyway, her excuse now is that she needs to fully sort out this Zach, the situations with Zach and Tia before she can fully give herself to Deontay. So what do you think she means by fully sorting out these situations? Uh, I feel like exploration. Like, do I want to be with Zach? Do I want to be with Tia? Okay, those are not options. And so she's really just trying to keep uh, Deontay on the back burner, right? She doesn't want to tell him that this is what she's doing because then that will eliminate him as an option. And she's really not trying to eliminate her options. She wants to be able to choose between the options that she has. And the moment anyone knows about the other, it's like that's no longer going to be an option for you. So I don't know. I don't like it when people do things like that. But, you know, it happens. I mean, do you really think she's really entertaining Deontay as an option? long term uh yes okay i think yes if zach and tia are not viable options right zach has moved on she doesn't know she hasn't seen the guy Mm -hmm. since she went to prison zach could have a girlfriend right now if she were to find out that zach had a girlfriend tia had a partner um yeah guess what she's sticking with deontay at least she gets money out of this situation (sighs) yeah i don't i mean i see yes i mean i definitely think she sees deontay as a revenue stream and is mm-hmm. more than willing to keep him around as a revenue stream. But I think even if she decided on Zach or decided on Tia, she would still try to keep him around. And if both of them rejected her or, or moved on or whatever weren't viable options, she would stay with Deontay un- temporarily until she found something better. Like I don't think she has any – I can see that too. Serious things of actually ch- choosing him long term as a, as a partner rather than as a money source. Right. The one thing, though, she keeps on saying is that I love him. It is not believable at all. I don't know what it is about it. I don't know if it's her actions. I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's just like she really is completely. But it just seems so like, no, you don't. There's like it's almost robotic. I love him. But I love him. And it's just like, do you? It doesn't seem to be any emotion in that. And it also said it also goes into what she says immediately after she says I love him. It's always I love him, but right, mm. I love him, but I'm not really I'm not comfortable like being around him. I love him, but I have these other things I need to sort out. I love him, but you know th- that thing is always comes back to that. 
Yeah, right? and that's the, the, true. the general discomfort level that she has being near him. Like, you know, and that's part of it too. Yeah. It's like, it's like, even if, okay, oh, she doesn't want to sleep with him. Okay. Right. It doesn't seem like she's that comfortable even touching him, you know, even right, like showing right. any kind of, any kind of, um, not intimacy necessarily, but like, you know, affection for him physically. Yeah. And I don't know why he thinks that, I don't know that anything, it means anything other than what it is. Right. You know? right. I mean, and he was so close. He was so close to getting it when he was like, well, you seem to like my money. I okay. Know. I was like, you're almost there. And then she was I know. Like, I was so excited when he said that. I was like, yes, you're <laughs> finally getting a backbone. And then like immediately he, she was like, all right, well, I'll give you a little bit of something, which isn't even any better than what he, she already no. stayed over once. Right. Like that wasn't like a new thing. Yeah, I have no idea. But I do have to say that I really like his friend Derek. It right. was like, yes, Derek is all of us asking the questions, the questions that we really need to know. Yes. Yeah. Like, and even like the small thing. Okay. What is it you like about him? Like, yeah, <laughs> like that's, and that's the one that is just like, we haven't really heard her address it. Right. And that's something we always go about it. Like, oh, you love this person. Mm-hmm. Great. What do you love about them? Like, what is it that makes them like, like you? And just, it, it just seems to be like, for her, the answer is just. He pays attention to me. Well, he's got good teeth, according to her. Oh, good right. Good teeth. Right. Like, I, I, what did you say? Good teeth or just teeth in general? Because I thought she said he just has teeth, which is <laughs> a pretty low bar. Yeah. He has teeth. He has eyes. You know, she also said something about his eyes. And she said, well, he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's scrawny, but you can see his muscles, too. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. I guess those are all things. Things you right. could be into. <laughs> well, and it seemed like things that were like passably acceptable. Like she definitely seemed to be like, look, I wouldn't normally be attracted to him, but I could salvage this out of something mm-hmm. if you maybe. But they were all physical things too. She wasn't like, he's so generous and kind and, you know, he always has my best interest. None of those things. None of the, none of those kind of things. Just like, well, I guess it's okay that he has teeth and, you know, isn't totally weak. So okay. I really want to see what this Zach kid looks like. Yeah, you know? totally. And see if it's like so far out of does he look anything like Deontay? Does she have a type? Because if Zach looked like Deontay, I could kind of see like, okay, well, at least she has a type. So maybe she really is more attracted to him than she like kind of lets on. Maybe. Well, the other because the other thing that Deontay said is he's the first black boyfriend she's had. Right. So we know that that's going to be different with Zach. Well, I mean, not just that as a type, but I mean, like, is his body type the same? Is Zach just this totally ripped out Jersey Shore type, you know? Yes. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just interested to see uh, what the comparison is there. Sure. All right. Uh, moving on to Doug and Rachel. And this is going to get really confusing because there are a lot of Dougs. <laughs> yes, a lot of Dougs. <laughs> so uh-huh. many Dougs. And a lot of sisters that they didn't actually, like, positively identify on the screen. (laughs) uh, Oh, they kind of did. So, Uh yeah, there's a lot of family members. But for clarification, the Doug that is of Doug and Rachel, I will call him Doug or Doug, Dougie, wait, what? Doug the second, Doug Jr. Doug Jr. Yes, I think I said Doug Jr. I'll refer Mm -hmm. to Doug, Doug or Doug Jr.'s dad as Doug Sr., 
And then little Dougie is the kid. All right. right. So I'll okay. try to keep all that. Hopefully I'm consistent in my write-up too. <laughs> okay. It's the second day of freedom, and Doug is trying to call his parole officer about seeing family. He's frustrated that she isn't picking up, and he just leaves a voicemail basically informing the officer where he will be and not asking any kind of permission. Rachel thinks he's stupid for taking a huge risk. Doug thinks that he might not have many days left with his dad, so he just doesn't care. Uh, Dougie uh, senses that there's a lot of stress Rachel has spent time with Doug's family when she used to take Dougie up for visits. Rachel thinks that they, the family is very welcoming, but notes that, you know, her family and their family come from very different worlds. During the commercial break, we learn about how poor Doug was. He got a pool stick and a blanket for Christmas once. And their family picks through trash. He even got a white trash tattoo because he thought it described him well. Doug surprises his whole family, including his dad, Doug Sr. Doug's mom is still mad at him and refuses to see him, so she's inside. Doug is sad to see his dad's deteriorating health. Doug Sr. tells Doug that he needs to appreciate Rachel, and he hopes that he does right by her. We then find out more about Dougie's hard life. Ashley, Doug's sister, was helping to raise Dougie because his other sister, Crystal, couldn't because she was married to a felon. It ends up that Ashley didn't treat Dougie very well, and Dougie wrote letters of how miserable his life was with Ashley. Ashley didn't even say anything when Rachel came to pick up Dougie and then really never brought him back. Crystal tells Doug, uh, Doug that Ashley didn't treat Dougie right, but Doug defends Ashley, saying that she was actually there for Dougie, and Dougie was probably a handful, and Ashley was just being hard on him because she's trying to get him to act right, and he respects that. Dougie is then seen sobbing as Rachel comforts him, and Doug is screaming at Crystal and calling her a bitch. All right. Oh, gosh. Who yeah. do you think is the worst parental figure in this scenario? You got some oh, options man. here. You've got Doug. You've yeah. got Ashley. Uh -huh. Let's throw in Crystal. And we got Crystal, right. Yeah. So um, it, just for this scenario, knowing that we don't know the rest of it, right, I'm going to say Crystal of those three was the best right now because she was the only one that wasn't either seriously or jokingly trying to read this child's private thoughts out loud to everyone. Yeah. Um, she was trying to protect them. Yeah. She was just trying to protect them. Like, so – Let's go with those two. I would probably – I'd probably go Doug just for the whole like throwing – saying people like you're a bitch and the things in front of that. Like for the – again, for the t the person who's trying to protect his interior thoughts, like mm -hmm. private thoughts and he's like immediately, you're a bitch. He was just – we were just joking about that, like aggressively going after her for that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's probably where to go because I feel like Ashley kind of stayed on the sidelines a little bit for the fight more than them. It seemed like it was mostly Doug and Crystal going at it. Yeah, I just don't think that Ashley is a good person based no. on what we heard or what we saw. Sure. Because Ashley was the one who said, oh, should I bring out the letters? Yes. You know, and should I show, should I show, you know, your dad what you were saying? 
And yeah, that's just so ugh. she was the one who was kind of, you know, trying to push the issue. I mean, she, you know, she's the one who brought it up once Crystal kind of was like, no. And she was like, oh, OK, she backed off. So she didn't mm-hmm. like try to push the situation. Right. Um, Doug was the one who was like, oh, I want to read it. What's going on? But the thing that bothered me hearing kind of regaling us of, you know, the situation was the fact that Ashley just was hard on Dougie. It sounded like Dougie was miserable. Rachel yeah. came and picked him up for like a visit. Ashley was just like, whatever. You know, like keep the kid. I don't care. It's too right. much of a handful. Never even asked to get him back. Like that's the part that's like, as a kid, I think, especially in a tumultuous relation or, you know, family situation that he was in, uh-huh. to feel unwanted like, that would make any kid feel unwanted. My sure. primary caretaker sure. never asked where I was or when I'm coming home. Right. I mean, it, and to me, it's not even the not coming home part because it does seem that that family, from what Doug Sr. said, they all do recognize that, like, Rachel, not as a, as a meal ticket, but, like, we're not doing better than Rachel. Like, she is more together right. and a better environment than any of us can possibly provide, Right. Yeah. And that's why he's like, you better not mess this up with this girl because you're not you're not going to do better than this. Right. And yeah. so I recognize that you could recognize it like, wow, this this home environment at Rachel's house is better than anything I can provide. But you'd still be like, can I see him? Maybe we can visit. Maybe we can do things instead of just being like he's gone and being like, that's it. Let me dust my hands off and move on. Like, cause yeah. that seems like she did. And that's the part that makes me, makes it feel rejected. Like the part where you can be like, listen, you know, I love you and, and I, I'd love to have you around, but this is a better place for you than my house. But I still want to be involved in your life is one thing that, you know, that, that kind of thing, it's delicate with the kid, but to just be like, all right, you're gone, whatever. I don't care. That, that does make him feel incredibly rejected. Right. And I'm really saying like how it comes off to Dougie, because the reality sure. is, is that, you know, Ashley could have 100% recognized, like, that's a better situation, especially if I, we don't know. We saw a bunch of rando kids running around. So who knows right. which ones were actually Ashley's, especially sure. if Ashley's like, I have all these kids to be taken care of as well. I can't be taking care of another kid. Um, and I could see how she would not want to say anything because mm-hmm. it's like, well, if I don't say anything, then he's definitely staying over there, right? But if I bring it up and we talk it out, then who knows? They might, you know, try to get Dougie to come back. And so I could kind of see how Ashley would just Mm -hmm. not want to communicate the situation because she doesn't want things are good for her the way they are now. And she doesn't want to, like, mess that up. But that doesn't make Dougie feel any good. You know, like she abandoned me. I don't know where she went. Like, I haven't heard from her. I don't know what's going on. And none of these people seem to be putting the not I would say none of these people because I actually feel like Rachel is doing this putting like the well-being and feelings of Dougie in the forefront it's all about what do I want what's easier for me how did that happen Mm -hmm. because in a situation like this you have to communicate with the kid these exact things you have to be like this is this is what was going on this is why it's going on this is how I feel about it because if you don't say anything then they pretty much assume the worst right like if if you never talk to me again after I left your house, then my assumption is you didn't care about me at all. Yeah. 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 Instead of I don't want to mess up a good thing. Right. Right. It's one of those things that has to be made explicit. And I mean, uh, 
I just feel bad for the kid. And it's just even in this situation, like, oh my God, that's just mortifying. Just this one thing that we saw with people who knew they were on camera was like, yeah. this is terrible for this kid. You can't even trust like the person you're living with to not dig through your things and like be get angry about your personal like thoughts of working through things. Like how can you possibly even work through things? I mean, they just seemed yeah. like a family that only – expresses themselves through not necessarily violence but like yelling and screaming and and things like that and it's just that's so hard to deal with even just in this one scene yeah yeah i i just really when we first saw dougie like this season he kind of seemed like you know a defiant moody angry preteen right someone who wasn't respecting rachel you know, mm-hmm. wasn't respecting rules, just kind of doing his own thing. This definitely gives us a little backstory to it and gives us a, you know, bigger picture of why he is angry and disrespectful. Yeah. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I would hope that he would recognize that Rachel is not the same. She's not in the same situation as these other family members and that he should at least respect Rachel and appreciate what she's done for him. Right. But that's, 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 I know it requires a little bit more maturity. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, but it, it, it gets there because he doesn't, it's definitely a new thing when you meet somebody, it's, you know, it's, it works the other way too, right? If, if you grow up and you're around a nice stable environment where nobody ever lies to you or nobody takes advantage of you and you go somewhere and that starts happening and just doesn't dawn on you that like, oh, this person is lying. Like it takes you a long time to be like, oh, they don't mean what they say, right? And so how long does it take to adjust the other way? Oh, this person does mean what they say and I can actually have faith in them and I can actually trust in them because right now I just don't think he has that for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. All right. So we did not hear from Josh and Courtney this week and so that's pretty much all of our couples. So who was your student of the week? I went Derek. Um, I did too. That's funny considering I thought he's you an would. ancillary character. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the main characters, I didn't find anybody worth worth no. talking about. But like mm. – and to be fair, Derek was pretty harsh, right? He came he out – he came right out and came was just yeah. like – immediately was like, I think you're just here for money and I think you'll be gone in four months. Like she was like, bye. I'll see you guys later. And he was like, I don't think you will. I think you'll be yeah. gone. I thought was really great is that he totally called out the friend because the friend's like, no, she loves him. I heard that – you know, she was, she's been talking about Deontay, like, when we were in prison, he's like, I don't trust you either. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> right. you're right. They're yes. just, like, uh, corroborating with each other, you know? It's like, <laughs> I would Yeah, I don't trust – the, your, yeah, your, your friend that could be in on the scam, I don't trust you. Yeah. Right? And yeah. especially because – and it makes a little more sense when you see this, like, like it seems like he's coming on really strong in, in terms of what mm. he's doing. But he's been through this already. Yeah. Right, Deontay had this whole other person. And so this time he's like, listen, I tried that tack last time where I was like, yeah. you know, diplomatic and things. And this time I'm done with that. Like I'm telling you exactly yeah. what I think and I'm telling you what I think my friend needs to hear. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. Okay, who was your dunce? I want Doug. Um, I did Doug, <laughs> Doug Jr. Oh, man. Because, okay, so yeah. the other thing, besides everything we said, right, the, the fact that he mm-hmm. has just, you know, just met his kid and it was like, oh, by the way, all that stuff you're going to try to work out. You know, adjusting to me, um, dealing with the with the hard fatherhood that I've given you so far. I'm not going to yeah. let any of that go. I want to know. I want. I, I need to. I'm going to know. I want to know and get angry about everything you feel about me. 
right? Because I did yeah. that first, right? But second, yeah. like he spent, and it frustrated me because he goes and he's like, oh, we're all about family and we do everything for each other. And that's the only way we could get by in our hard life. And like three seconds later is like, why don't you get the hell out of here, bitch? Like, come on. Like that was, that was the fam. That's the family you're trying to. Um, you know, show Dougie that that is strong and 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 sticks together because it didn't match up with what he said. Right. I also think as as a parenting move, right? Just mm-hmm. completely ignoring how Dougie felt about living with Ashley and like yeah. defending Ashley in front of him. You mm-hmm. know, like at the end of the day, like you don't have to live with Ashley. You have to live with your son and build a relationship with your son. Sure. Like sure. to completely be like, no, I wasn't there, but I'm taking her side because you probably deserved it. You know, like right. that's not building that relationship. So Right, right. And didn't hear yeah, didn't hear it. The only thing you know about that is he was completely miserable there. And your yeah. response is, well, that's what that was the right place for you. Like that's where you should yep. have been. That should have been what goes on. Totally. Yeah. Although I will give either Doug or the producers credit for having that scene where they talked about his tattoo so that we would know it didn't say white power and it said white trash. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was a rumor that it said white power. I didn't so. either, but I was like, oh, because you can usually only see part of that tattoo and you can see the part that oh. says white. And I was like, oh, after they showed it, I was like, oh, they probably showed that made sure we had this scene so that we would nobody would be suspicious and we would know it said white <laughs> something. It said white trash. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. It was it was a very weird scene on that commercial scene. Like I wasn't sure if it was the commercial scene. Right. Because it seemed like they were still driving to like the family's house. And I was like, mm-hmm. why are they talking about picking up a microwave? What's going yeah. on here? All right. right. All right. Okay. What about your life lesson? Yeah, my life lesson's for Anessa. It's like you gotta and I don't understand how people do this, but you can't you shouldn't get your hopes up like for promises from someone that has always let you down like yes. i don't know why like she was very confident that this release thing was going to happen and it was like do you know who you're talking about because like he's literally followed yeah. through once <laughs> once yeah. one time he got off a bus after he fell asleep on it like that's all you got to hang your hat on right. and she's like this is definitely happening and that to me is also weird because yeah that situation happened but it's like wouldn't he have had to do that anyway like, mm-hmm. that wasn't even, like, really going out of his way for you. That's where the bus let off, you know? <laughs> right. He just happened to tell you where the bus let off this time. Right. Totally. All right. So, my life lesson is inspired by Stan. So, if you're having a fight with your partner, trying to rush to the makeup sex without actually resolving your issues is selfish. And this is a recipe for repeating the same argument over and over again, later on down the line, because you really haven't tried to resolve anything. Yeah. But you're like yeah. playing nice because you're just like, oh, makeup sex. Oh, yeah. Whatever you want. I admit to that. Sure. But yeah, makeup sex requires, it's right there in the name, that you make up first. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I think. Do some people think the sex is the making up? Is that the part? <laughs> like, Well, I think, yes, that's part of it. Right. And then I think also the making up. I think some people think making up is just like you all like not acting like you're mad at each other anymore. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Whereas and without so, the issues being resolved, we've gotten is, to a place where we can ignore the issues for temporarily. Yes, and yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because it's not actually resolving it, but it seems like that because you're like, are we good? Are we good? Yeah. Okay. We've made up. It's like, yeah, you're good at the moment because you're ignoring what you got right. to fight 
about. Well, and, and I you think know? I think it's just a, a shortcut thing because I think so many people, particularly mm-hmm. guys, think that once you know once once the sex happens, we're done. That issue was over. Like we've resolved it, yeah. and this was our this was the signal to me that that issue has been resolved. And so that's right, why they always right. like say like, why are you bringing up why are you bringing up stuff? Is like we already hashed that out because we did like, it. Did we? Like yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So next week we will be back to normal-ish. Yes. So we will be back on a Monday uh, next mm-hmm. week instead of – we apologize again for it being a little bit later, for the audio probably not being the best. <laughs> right. for, this, is, this is vacation podcast, right? Yeah. This is definitely our vacation podcast. We're teachers, so, you know, we don't really have yep. that much vacation. Yeah, um, we'll be, we're, we'll be back we're for, and we'll see what's going to happen because we're almost to August and that's when the life after lockup is supposed to start. So I know. Life after whatever. Yeah, life after lockup. There we go. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Okay. I'll see you all next week. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye.